Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. I loved yesterday. How many of you loved yesterday? Did you get outside? Tell me you got outside. It was so nice. Oh, goodness. It could stay this way now for the rest of the, the time, and I'd be totally fine with that. Although maybe a little drier. Everything's kind of wet when you touch it. So, excited to be with you today. Excited to share in the Word of God with you today. Um, first, I, I just want to, let's give a hand to the praise team. I so appreciate them. Um, perfect setup for what we need to be talking about today, because it's so pivotal to Christ. It's so pivotal to who he is, um, why we're here. Um, before I get, I get in, I've got to, you know, I've got to tell you my story. Uh, you know, young high school student, like needing money over the summer. Uh, says, I'm going you know, to hit the wealthy neighborhoods and try to raise some money from somebody there. And so he goes knocking door to door, first door kind of a strike out, next door knocks, old man comes to the door and says, you know, what can I do for you, son? And he's like, you know, oh, I'm a high school student, I'm trying to raise some money, you know, is there anything I can do for you? And he says, well, you know, you can probably paint my porch. Okay, great. Well, how much would you charge me to paint my porch? He says, well, I'll charge you 50 bucks. He's like, okay, cool. He says, paint's in the garage, ladders in the garage, everything you need should be in there. So he goes away, does his thing. A little while later, knock on the door. Comes up to him and says, I'm all done. And guess what? I had enough paint. I did two coats. Excellent. That's amazing. I'm so excited. So he goes to reach into his hand, hands in the $50. And as the student's walking away, he says, oh, by the way, that's not a porch. It's a Ferrari. The value we place on things, right? The value we place on things. Ah. Oh my gosh, I get crazy when it's, my cars are dirty. I can't imagine having a Ferrari that got painted with porch paint. Yuck. All right, we are in Isaiah 53. And you can go to page 847 in one of the Bibles that are sitting in there, or you can go to Isaiah 53 in your own Bible. Every year I try to focus on a spiritual discipline and try to challenge myself uh, just in my thinking and how I live for the Lord. Um, and this year, one of the aspects that I'm kind of adding, I'm focusing on the Word of God, but one of the aspects I'm focusing on as well is my relationship with God. Because it, it becomes so easy as Christians to have church and have Bible study and have devotions just be this academic thing. You know, we, we you learn something new, we get some really cool trivia pieces from the Bible, and we kind of just kind of get into this mode of, you know, oh well, yeah, I know that, and oh yeah, I know that story, and oh, I know what happened there. But does it impact who we are? Because it's like, if we go just through the motions of the academics and of going to church, and it doesn't change us, we're missing out on the best part of being a Christian. And that's knowing him and being changed by him and being driven and in a good way to be better. And not only that, the Christian life, when it's lived in its best context, is amazing. So if you're not like excited about getting up and excited about what God's doing in your life and wanting to share that with someone, Today's for you. 
because hopefully it will stimulate your thinking, stimulate your heart into who God is, what he's done, and understand where his head was at. Because the thing that amazes me about just the whole aspect of Christ and what he came to do was he knew about it from the beginning. It wasn't like all of a sudden he realized, you know, as the crucifixion was coming up, oh yeah, I forgot about that. He knew right from the gate what the whole journey was going to be, all the time that had to happen, all the things that God had to do within his people. And then as the New Testament kind of opened up and what was going on, he was there, he was aware, he knew what was going on. This was not a surprise to him. And for me, just relationally, I just think about as a father, okay, I'm a father, and my son was perfect. That he had to do this would be hard. It would be so hard. Think about it for yourself. Think about if it was you. And your whole life you knew, at some point, I'm going to have to get crucified. At some point, I'm going to get beaten beyond recognition. At some point, if you knew that that was your whole life was leading up to that point. I can't even fathom it sometimes. You know, I get kind of cranky if I get a splinter. And so it's like, I can't imagine something getting driven through my body for someone else's stuff. I mean, if it's my stuff, okay, I can kind of justify it. But if it's someone else's stuff, oh, we all struggle with that, don't we? Well, that's not my fault. I didn't do that with them. We all struggle with that. But Christ knew from the gate. And to me, it's just the, the ultimate love for people is understood and experienced and shown through him and through what he was doing. But it even goes a little bit further than that. So let's, let's dig into the word. Now just kind of put it on your head. Isaiah's writing this about 700 years before it was going to take place. And Isaiah, a little bit before this, when in the presence of God, felt completely undone. Like he shouldn't have been in there because of he knew who he was and where he was at and where his heart was at. And he was a man of unclean lips. And so he was in this place where it was just like, now he's telling us about what was gonna, what is gonna come to pass. First, the whole idea of this price of peace that is provided to us through Christ, all right, was his reputation. So let's start in verse 1, Isaiah 53, verse 1. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form, of comely, no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Doesn't that sound like the man that's going to save us from everything? No. But this is the man that God chose to, in Christ, have to make this change in the world. Why do you think that is? See, I question those things. Why? Why would God do this, have this kind of a context, have him totally have this reputation of 
Rejection. It's mind-blowing to me. Tender or weak, not favored, no desire, despised and rejected by men. This doesn't even make sense. But God. See, that's, I love who God is because he can do anything. He can do everything. Nothing can stop him from accomplishing what needs to happen. And so I, I think part of this is having these kinds of circumstances, this kind of a situation, can show that God is in it. I know I need that from time to time because, you know, there are days when I just think, man, I can't do anything for you, Lord. And then I can think of this. <laughs> God can use even somebody who is on the, the most downside of the situation for his ultimate good. And so it's like one of those things where our identity in Christ has got to be who we are in Christ and who we are because of who God says we are, not how we feel about ourselves on a regular basis. Because Christ gave up his reputation to enable us to have a so much better life. To enable us as believers, those who trust in him, those who are yielding to him, to have something completely different. These are not typical characteristics one would compile for anyone, let alone someone that was going to do this much good for the human race. Now later in Isaiah 55, Isaiah reminds us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And I'll tell you, this verse reverberates in my brain constantly. Constantly. Because it's like my first response to so many things, I've got to remember, okay, well, that's probably not how God would do it. <laughs> how I see things, how things should happen and how things should unfold, well, they're probably not how God wants to do this. And we've got to kind of yield to unconventional, well, not unconventional wisdom, biblical wisdom, really. Biblical wisdom. Because it's like God's ways are not our ways, and he wants to use things that are going to confound this world. And the thing is, is he uses very unconventional methods a lot of times. Situations like this. I mean, you look at the person who Christ was, who was going to be going and having this happen, no one would pick him. No one. But yet that's the one he wanted to use. That's the one he did use. And that's the one that was ultimately accomplishing what needed to happen. And so in our life, I think sometimes we buy into this world's logic. And we've got to let go of that. Because it makes sense. It sounds good. And it's like, sure, that it's logical. But it isn't necessarily biblical. <laughs> Are you willing to let go of the world's wisdom and the world's logic for God? I mean, it's a daily thing. You know, I growing up, I, it's, I remember my kids, you know, different things would happen. And, you know, sometimes a cashier makes a mistake and they give you extra money back. And I remember challenging my kids, how much is your integrity worth? Is it really worth $2? Two extra dollars and change? Is that what your integrity is worth? Oh, well, it was their mistake. It's no big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. What if it was you? And what if you made that mistake? And what if you lost your job? Wouldn't you want someone to come back and say, hey, you made a mistake? But that's, you know, those are the things that God wants us to live above it, live better than, live differently than the world. 
so that he is seen, so that not only he is seen, but he is felt. And I think that's the aspect of the relationship that we need to have with God. And that's the more challenging part of the Christian life is the relational aspect. It's easy to learn the details. It's easy to learn what happened when and the whole outlay of scripture. The hard part is feeling God's arms around me today because I need to feel his comfort. That's harder, but it's not impossible. We've got to go toward him. We've got to move toward him and ask him to move toward us. And he does. He's always moving toward us. We're the ones with the problem. But it's like we've got to want that and understand that it's something that you've got to go toward. Think about the relationships you have. They don't just happen. You spend time with someone. You start to understand who they are. Now, the scripture, that's what helps us understand God. We understand his thinking, his likes, his dislikes, those kinds of things. So they, it helps us understand his character. But it's time with him. And I'm not talking, you, you've got to sit there and, and read your Bible for five hours. I'm not talking about that. Uh, but I am talking about taking a moment to sit down and go, okay, God, this time is yours. And that might be reading, that might be singing, that might be listening to music, that might be just sitting in the quiet, waiting to hear his voice. And I know that's all, this sounds craziness. No. This is God's way of reaching into our world. We've got to open ourselves up to that. God's not going to chase us out the door. He's not going to run us down. He's not going to stand in front of our car and prevent us from getting anywhere. He wants us to understand that this is available and we need to pursue it. And way back when, Christ knew that it was possible through everything I was going to do. See, God's sacrifice through Christ is what enables us to even do this. If he hadn't done that, there would be no way. There would be absolutely no way. And so his reputation would have been for nothing. In fact, for those who don't trust Christ, that's kind of how they treat it. It didn't matter to them. Tragedy. Philippians 2, 5, and, 5 through 8, I'm sorry, says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. His actions declared who he is, not status, not stature, or anything else. His actions. And and that's the mind that we're challenged to have. And we are excited about that a lot of the time. No reputation, serve, Obedience? That doesn't sound fun, does it? That's the lie. See, that's the lie. Because I have found in my life that when I yield to God's truth, when I have him as the one who dictates how I live and the choices I make, and they, I struggle with them. They are hard. They're not easy. They are hard because our flesh wants something else. Our logic wants something else. And we battle that all the time. But he has so much more for us in this life if we would yield to it. And see, that's, that's, that's kind of the catch here, is until you yield to it, you're not going to experience it. He doesn't tempt us or tease us. He doesn't go, well, here's a little bit, and oh, if you want to do some more, keep coming. He doesn't do that. 
Just like he was, he wants us to be. He was all in. So either we're going to be all in or not. He doesn't do like one foot here and one foot here and uh, maybe you'll, you'll get to like my ways and you'll finally adopt and commit. No. When you're on the cross, you're either all in or not. That's how he was and that's how he wants us to be. Are you all in in your Christian walk? And, and maybe you don't know what that, that means and that's fine. We have a whole <laughs> discipleship program called The Path that can help you f figure out where you're at and walk yourself through just understanding who God is and how he loves you and what he wants from you and how to continue on in that journey and how to move yourself down the road. But not more importantly, how he can move you down the road. Because trust me, you want God leading you. You do. There is nothing more exciting than walking by faith and having God do things that are so beyond your thinking, so beyond what you could imagine could happen. There's nothing more addictive than that. Let me tell you, because I've seen God do it. I've experienced it in my life. Living by faith is incredible. But it's an all-in thing. It's not a one foot here and a one foot there. So you've got to make that decision to jump in the pool. You, know, you can't just walk along the side dangling and think, oh, well, I'll fall in, and it'll be okay. God doesn't work that way. He wants us all in. The Lord wants to impact this world in such a way that he is seen and cannot be missed. He wants to be seen and not missed. And he works in very amazing ways when we are working with him. So, a few questions before we move on. First, does the sacrifice of Christ impact how you live? And I get it. You may have walked in here today and not thought about this for a while. Because we just came off of Christmas, and it's, it's about the birth, it's about him coming into the world, and the gift of him. And I don't want to minimize that or anything. That's profound. But that's the beginning. The end has all the impact. And you live daily, I mean, we're challenged, right? To pick up our cross daily. And that's a figurative thing. And to me, that's for me, when I do that, that's understanding Christ had to be on it for me to even be able to carry it. Because it would have been way more than I could have ever dealt with in my own life. Secondly, does your life reflect God's strength to overcome the obstacles this world throws your way? And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, man, it's, I've got so much going on and I'm drowning in problems and where is God? And I've been asking where he is. And he's waiting for you to reach out to him. That's what he wants. See, God doesn't, that's what I appreciate, but appreciate about God and who he is. He wants it to be because we've chosen, not because he's demanded or he's forced us to do anything. Because what's the point then? We don't understand what he's done. If, if we feel like, oh, I have no choice, and oh, I have to do this, and oh, this is just the Christian life is so much fun. Ugh. No, he doesn't want that for us either, because when we get it, when we get who he is, when we get what he's done, when we get his heart, we can't do enough for him. Because we are so humble and so thankful and so overwhelmed by what our end would have been without Christ. It changes everything. 
And that was the plan all along. Is peace part of your life? And boy, we look around and we, you know, the news lately, right? And there's stuff flying everywhere. And there's stuff blowing up everywhere. Peace is like, it seems like it's disintegrating around us. But even in this environment, Christians can have peace. We can become and know that God is in control, that we don't have to be, you know, I don't say be concerned, but we don't have to be so overwhelmed because we can trust God. And that's a challenge for us sometimes. Lastly, does God's opinion of you have more impact in your life than the people you encounter every day? Because that's the opinion that matters. Think about it. Think about if you were the one who went to the cross, who was beaten, who was just treated horrifically, and then the people you did that for just chose to, eh, doesn't matter. What does it matter? Has no meaning, has no value. I can't even, I can't even imagine. But again, God could have like demanded that we all lived a certain way or demanded that we did certain things, and he doesn't do that. He leaves us with the choice. Because he knows, unless it is you choosing to do this, unless it is you coming into this, the Christian life is not easy and it's not for whims. Because in order for God to, to be seen through us and to be seen in ways that are incredible, stuff has to happen in our life. Stuff has just got to happen in our life for him to be seen. And sometimes it's not always fun. And sometimes it's not always easy. But we can trust that it is for our good and for his glory. It's so true. So, peace cost a reputation, and that reputation basically was for us. Secondly, peace cost a holy life. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How many of you are siblings? You've got a brother or a sister. <laughs> okay. That worked out better. How many of you would like to get in trouble for everything that your sibling did? You're like, that did happen. <laughs> That was the rule at our house. We, we, we had, it, was, it was my quirky rule. It was not my wife's. I will take credit for it. As bad as it, well, I don't know. It was effective, I think. Because we, we wanted the, the kids to police themselves. So it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, hey, if this happens, everyone gets spanked. And then we're like, uh. So yeah, Ashley has told us, you know, you've spanked me more times than I, I shouldn't have never been spanked. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sure God will use it for good in your life, honey. Trust me. <laughs> But this is what he did for us. And he knew from the beginning. He, he didn't just gear up to it and just kind of, okay, I'm, I'm going to gut it out and get to this point and it's going to happen. He knew. See, that's the thing with God is he knew what he was going to experience. He knew what he was going to feel. He knew what had to happen. He knew the places he had to go to pay for our sin. 
to pay for our shortcomings, to pay for those things that we did. Think about it. Something holy, something pure, being completely defiled by something else. And that's what happened here. Holy, righteous, true God had to come down and then go, not just come down and, and kind of be human, but then he had to take on all sin. Not just some, he took it all on because it had to be eradicated. It had to be eliminated. And he knew. And he was open to it. And he was willing to do it. For me, it humbles me. I get challenged when my wife asks me to do little things. Nothing like, you know, oh, would you be crucified for me today, honey? She doesn't say that, thankfully. But it's like I get cranky about little stuff. And Christ willingly did this. And we can write it off and go, oh, well, he was God, and, you know, it's easier for him. How on earth is that easy? It was necessary, and he saw it as necessary, and he saw it as needful, and it was the only way to save us. And again, I go back to all in. And that's the example he has for us. We need to be all in. If you want to experience all God has, you have to be all in. If you want to see it, if you want to hear it, if you want to feel it. And again, relationally for me, it's just... The best thing that ever happened to me was becoming a parent. Because it, you know, God gives us this idea of him as father and who he is. And I know what I would do for my kids. And I am human. God's done above and beyond anything like that. And it humbles me because in, in the God economy, he did it. Because like for me, I could probably push my son off and go, okay, well, I don't, I'm not for it, but and it all happens to him. Yes, I would have anguish. Yes, I would have things. But it was God in the form of Christ, in the form of man, so it would be like me having to do it. And so I hope, we're in January, second Sunday of the month. I hope as we continue out this year, we remember. Let 2020 be kind of a reset for remembering who Christ is. Remembering what he's done. Remembering it was his blood that, that did what it did to change us to pay for the sin, to make us white as snow. That it was his reputation that gives us the best reputation. That it was his holiness that had to be put to death to give us holiness, to be able to live the way we live as Christians. But let me also challenge you to be all in. And that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part because we want to buy into the world's things and we want some of the, what the world has and we, we want to kind of align our lives to some of that stuff because it's enjoyable or it looks fun or whatever. And I don't know what that is for you. It's different, for, I think, for all of us, what that is. But again, I'm not saying, you know, go off into the woods and live in a hut. and I'm not saying that. I'm saying develop your relationship with God in such a way that 
He's leading. He's guiding. He's directing. That you're hearing from him that you may have to do some wild and crazy things. Whatever that might be. It might be like going on a missions trip. Or talking to your neighbor about Christ. Or talking to your family. That's even scarier. Because <laughs> they know you. And they're like, who are you? And how do you? Family's always hard. But think about that. This year, let 2020 be a year where the relationship you have with God becomes greater, becomes more in-depth, becomes more meaningful and personal for you. That it's not just this kind of, well, God's sort of there and I'm here. No, he's here with us. In fact, he's here in us. And so let's embrace the fact of who he is and how that is and let him start to speak more in our lives. Let our reputation be one of his reputation. Let the holiness that we have been provided through him be seen by the world so that we have a change. See, I, I, I believe that in this room today, there could be another Paul, there could be another Timothy, there could be an, another Thomas, there could be, I mean, it's possible. But what's going to make that possible? To be all in, 100% yielded to God, and doing what he wants you to do, whatever that looks like. And that's up to you. You have that choice. You can make that happen. And not to leave out the ladies, there could be Deborah's, there could be Mary's, there could be those two. I don't want to leave anybody out because it's possible. And living by faith enables that. A couple more things. So he was wounded pierced through, bruised, crushed by punishment. All our pain, all our punishment, all our guilt, all our sin was voluntarily taken upon Jesus for the payment of our sins. Voluntarily. How unbelievable is that? And it's like we say those things and they kind of come and they go and they kind of roll through our head. But let that soak in a minute. All our pain, all our punishment, all our guilt, all our sin, voluntary, voluntarily taken upon Jesus for the payment of our sins. See, understand, it wasn't just like the stain he had on him. It was all the emotional aspect of it. It was all the physical aspect of it. It was everything that it is for us was upon him. I can't even imagine the emotional overload of all that. The anguish that it must stir up. The, the mental just attack that it must be. That he had to endure, knowing that that was, that was what was necessary to give us freedom, to give us peace, to give us healing. Uh, the price required by God was laid upon him by God's justice with his own consent. And again, willingly. Doesn't that blow your mind? He wasn't pushed. He wasn't coerced. No one held a gun to his head. The, the, you know, his disciples didn't get around him and like, you know, coerce him onto the, the cross. No, he went willingly. Scripture says, as a lamb goes to the slaughter, just, okay, here we go. And it's because we were in his sights. The freedom that we would have was in his sights. The healing that was available was in his sights. 
I can't help but trust him for everything. You look to his word for everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that pertains to how I need to live, how I need to order my life, how I need to decide things, how I need to, what comes into my life, what goes out of my life. Because of everything he's done for me. And the perfect example, and he's not asking us for hard things. He's not saying, you know, well, you know, on your 33rd birthday, you know, crucifixion, so, you know, you can experience what I experienced. He's not asking crazy hard stuff like that. He's like, you know, live by faith. Ooh, ooh. And that's good for us. Walk in truth. Oh my goodness, not that. <laughs> but it's good for us. All he's asking is for good things to be in our lives and to live in such a way where he is seen, he is felt, he is experienced. Because when people see Christ in us, guess what? They're attracted to him. And they want to know why you are the way you are and why you make the decisions you make and why you speak the way you speak and why you don't go to places that you don't go to. And on and on that list goes. Because you're what? Everybody hates this word. You're what? Begins with D, ends with different. <laughs> different <laughs> from everybody else. And we dread that. We don't want to be the odd man out. We don't want to be the, poor, the person that they go, oh, they're one of those. We don't want to be that person. Why not? Look at the reputation that Christ encountered for us. Not that we have to become social rejects. I'm not saying that. Because we don't have to do that in order to live this way. But we have to remember that we are holy. We are righteous because of Christ. And we should reflect that in how we live. By his suffering, we are saved from our sins and healed. Now, a couple things. Ooh, we're getting there. This section of scripture spoken hundreds of years before the birth of Christ is chilling. Because if you really think about it and let it soak in and think about what took place, I mean, we are so far removed from this kind of behavior. I mean, these people used to walk by and see people hanging on crosses. We don't, we don't experience that. So, I mean, we are so far removed from just how <gasps> overwhelming this is. And I think it's easy for us to just read it and gloss over it and really not digest what it all meant and what it all means for us. But God was aware that his only son would be pierced, crushed, and punished. And it's equally hopeful that with it comes peace and healing. Um, R.C. Stedman says it this way. The very same God of transcendent glory, in whose presence Isaiah quaked and confessed, I am ruined, a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, is also the suffering, disfigured, crushed servant whose life is poured out for the whole human race. That's what he did for us. And he knew it from the beginning. And he knew when it was coming. And he knew as it neared. And he still went through with it. For you. For me. Think about it. And that's, that, I think that's the part we lose track of sometimes too is, it is that personal. Because see, God can have every single one of us in his sight when that happens. Because he can do that. He's God. 
He knows who he's dying for. He knows the sin that and who it belongs. All of that was upon him. This is our God, finding his way through the impossible dilemmas of human life. He found a way to punish, yet pardon, staying true to his character and reputation. He found a way to uphold his love and justice, staying true to his holiness. And he became the sacrifice for the sin of all humanity, a perfect solution, providing peace. A couple of questions before we move on and finish. We're almost there. Does your relationship with God reflect an understanding of all he did for you? And think about it. Think about your relationship. Not just, you know, I made a choice for God and I'm trying to live the Christian life. That's not a relationship. That's a decision. What does your relationship look like? Are you hearing from God? Is he taking scripture and, and challenging you to live a certain way and challenging you to be a certain person and challenging you to do things that are bigger than you? Do you pursue your relationship with God the same with the same sacrificial attitude he has toward you. He's all in, 100%. Nothing wavering. And he's asking us to do the same thing. All in. And it's worth it. Let me tell you today, it is worth it. No, it's not easy. No, it's not simple. Yes, there'll be some bumps and bruises along the way, but it is worth it. Do you live in the freedom from sin provided by Christ that he enabled by his ultimate price. We have freedom from sin. We are not bound by it anymore. And we have an opportunity to live in holiness, live in righteousness, live in truth. We can walk away from sin. You know, we're told to flee. And in the power of Christ, he can work in us to become more sanctified every day, every day. And that happens as you develop your relationship. Do your life's decisions draw you closer to God? It's a new question that's not up there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but do your, your life's decisions draw you closer to God? Are you making decisions each day that are going to bring you a little closer, a little closer, a little closer? Or are you walking in the opposite direction? So make peace with people today. Those you love and those you don't. Because, I mean, God asks us to love our enemies even, which is remarkable. Because he wants us to be different from the world. And I want to close. I think I have just enough time. Um, I, I got a devotional from Paul Tripp, and this is one of the, his writings that's in there. And to me, it just spoke perfectly to what we're looking at today. So you can just sit back and listen as I read. The only hope, the only help, the only rescue the only healing, the only solace, the only balm, the only redemption, the only restoration for a broken, dysfunctional, sin-scarred, evil-infected, morally fallen, dark and dangerous world isn't found in information, socialization, education, political solution, psychological insight, or personal reformation, but in the willing birth, righteousness, humiliation, suffering, sacrifice, and resurrection of a God-man redeemer. No idea can liberate, no power can save, no institution can redeem, restore, resuscitate, or recreate what sin has destroyed. So a son had to come, son of God, son of man. The creator came to recreate, the savior came to be the sacrifice. 
the blessed one came to suffer, and in suffering to bless the world with hope, help, rescue, healing, solace, balm, redemption, and restoration. The cost of it all was his life. It was his birth mission, his resurrection victory. History marched toward his coming. There was no other way. For you, for me, and for the world. Let's live a changed 2020. Let's develop a relationship with God that is unmistakable. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning humbled, so amazingly humbled. For all you've done, but not only that, for all you continue to do. Lord, you are patient, you are kind, you are loving, you are caring. You are also righteous and just and true and holy. And Lord, you know how to perfectly reconcile all of these things in this world that don't make sense, that clash against each other because of who you are, because you are the creator of it all, and you know how to work within it. Lord, I pray that every one of us today would leave changed, that we would feel a little closer to you this morning because of understanding what you've done, understanding who you are, understanding your desire to not just have us know about you, but intimately know you and interact with you in a way that is relational and growing. We praise you. We thank you for all that you do. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Have an awesome week.